what I'm feeling today that I want to leave everyone with is just, it's, it's a thought, it's a belief that I have about every human being. And, you know, you've heard part of my story. Obviously, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know James' story really well. But with my story, you know, there's, there's a lot of layers to it and different things that have challenged me. But there's three things I believe about every human being that I know, that I absolutely know is true about you. And one was you were created to be courageous. I believe courage is already inside of you. You may need help listening to a podcast like this. You may need a coach. Um, you know, someone to help pull that out of you, maybe a good friend, but you are courageous. You are courageous. You can do what it takes to live the life that you've really desired to have. The second piece is I believe we are all created with a creative genius. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to emphasize it because already that phrase, you may or may not have heard it said that way. I believe there is actually a creative genius in every human being. There's something unique about you, the way you think, the way you problem solve, your gifts, your talents that this world needs. Again, you may need someone to help you bring that out. And and, I, and I'm going to say this on that one really quick. A lot of times, the creative genius that's in you is something you operate in so seamlessly, so easily in that you don't even think it's a thing. You just think, oh, well, that's just how I am. That's what I do. And it's a gift that the world needs. And then the third one is I believe everybody is created to be compassionate. So no matter what you're going through, I believe serving others is one of the greatest things that we can do on this planet. And it helps us too. being compassionate for other people, I believe brings even compassion towards yourself. And so I think those three things, James, I want to leave every listener with and just know that you can incorporate every single one of them and you can begin to live the life that you've always dreamed of living. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, doctor, doctor, give me some news. Hey, let me tell you, I told you again, don't take the doctor as, oh, okay. I can't write out a prescription for you, but if you really need me to, I'll drive you to your pharmacy if I can help that way. All right. So, hey, today we're going to, uh, we're going to get some fire me up going here today. Fire me up. I mean, we can suffer, struggle, and we can wallow in the mud like a pig and poor, poor for me, or what's the old saying, pull ourselves up by the old bootstraps and then get out, have the best life possible. Know that the end of the light of the tunnel is not a freight train coming. We know we have made it through and survived. Now let's live the best life possible. Pass it on, pay it forward, help the next person from us. Today, the guest is going to be talking a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but we're going to get started with, he's a former drug addict. He's been divorced. He lost his 17-year-old son in a plane crash. I mean, that's enough in his life there for most people, okay? And he's got a little bit more to go with that. So let's go and get started with our guest today. His name is Clint Hatton. Hey, James. How you doing, man? Hey, come on in. Uh, appreciate you being here. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Hey, you got me all fired up. I think that may be my best intro 
in uh, quite a few months. <laughs> well, man, how could it not be good between that intro and then you got the Hulk right behind you? And I, I think I, I think I see MJ too. So we the got MJ. some real champions in this. Yeah. 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 So definitely the Hulk, MJ, and who's on the other side? Oh, back when I went to school, if you see the guy with the uh, wearing the back on this side, well, on this side, there we go. Behind the Hulk is a um, ceramic piece uh, baseball player because I played baseball and we painted it green and gold like our whole school colors. But then on the other side of the lamp there behind my head, let me move again, a football player uh, painted green and gold and stuff like that from my school colors. So, <laughs> That's All awesome. right. So a lot of a lot of work going into this. Hey, again, thank you for being here, Clint. And uh, yeah. yeah, you know as well as I do, I've looked at your uh, stuff you sent to me. I gave a brief uh, uh, synopsis of what went on. And, um, you know, the sad thing is, man, you know as well as I do, and there's going to people with sad things they are going to learn it, that um, when you're on easy street, something can happen at any time. Whether you did something to bring it on or somebody did it to you. Uh, and I, my example is this. If you're going to church and then you get hit by a drunk driver and now you're suffering the consequences of doing the right thing. And so, so you know as well as I do, you can be on the easy street, but any time now, something could happen. And what do we do? Get through it the best we can. Inspire the next person that's watching us because everybody's watching us. Yeah. And then help them get through it and move on. So, all right, Clint, I'm going to shut up and let you go and get started. And I'll uh, jump in, ask questions when uh, we get a chance. Yeah. Well, thanks, James. I mean, I love the way you framed that because one of the things I – said over the years it's a phrase i often use and that is that you know life is a mixed bag and what i mean by that is you know when, when you look at uh, like you read my story my bio and of course i write that way for a reason you know because i want to be able to connect with people and i want to be able to help people and so they want to know what i've been through so you know what you see on paper is some of the tough stuff right but you know i've been, i've had a blessed life too and i've had a lot of great experiences and and, uh, you know, life has been good to me in many, many ways, too. But it is a mixed bag. And so to your point, you know, none of us knows for sure. We can have things going, you know, really, really well. And and I say enjoy those times, you know, definitely uh, be grateful for those times. But then a punch in the gut can come kind of out of nowhere. And and then sometimes it's self-inflicted, right? You exactly. Know, some, of, some of the things I've experienced in life, you know, <laughs> certainly were self-inflicted and could have been avoided if I had just, uh, you know, turned a different direction. So there's been a little bit of everything, you know. I tell people those saying, you know, those saying, when life hands you lemons, what do you do? Yeah, you make lemonade. That's right. I, I will lemonade, and other people say a lemon pie, and but I tell them strawberry pie because I don't. I like strawberry better than lemon pie. But, uh, <laughs> That's funny. I would say key lime pie because a good. Friend oh, of mine that is who, great too. Who a, yes, who has a business who's amazing, just an amazing baker. Just made my son who's getting ready to go to college a key lime pie. So I'll go with that today. Oh, key lime. Yeah, that's that's a good one too. So, all right, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, when I look at just my life in general, you know, there's, there's certainly been some bumps in the road and some challenges and, you know, obviously the biggest gut punch of all was my oldest son, you know, which you already mentioned. And, you know, I think one of the things I want to point out about that uh, for our listeners today, and especially this idea that, you know, sometimes life is going well and then, and then these gut punches happen. And so then how do you respond to that? And so, 
you know, that's how it was with Gabriel. That was his name. He was, uh, you know, a really ambitious, very adventurous young man from time he was very little at about eight years old, decided he wanted to become a pilot. And then what, by the time he was in high school, we had a series of different opportunities that opened up for us to actually see him begin to actually live out that particular dream. Uh, it included, you know, being able to, to fly and uh, be trained by some instructors without any. Okay. So he, he was yeah. flying the plane. That's exactly not right. Not a passenger going from Nashville to Dallas. Okay. That's exactly right. All right. I got you. Okay. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He, you know, he had had, he went up with his uncle Danny when he was about eight years old on a little airplane and got the bug. And that was that. And so, you know, that's one of the things I appreciate about him even to this day is that once, once he knew there was a dream or something that he wanted to do or accomplish, he locked in on it. So ultimately he did. He, he uh, soloed at 16 years old before he even had his Texas driver's license. And then uh-huh. at 17, James, that's the earliest that you can apply for your private pilot's license certificate and take the exam and the check ride and all that stuff. And he did that and he passed both with flying colors and he became a licensed pilot. So he was already living uh, his yeah, dream. Yeah. Now, you know, in all candidness, the dream didn't stop there. You know, he was, he had uh, bigger dreams of becoming a commercial pilot, which just requires more hours and certain types of, mm-hmm. of uh, you know, certificates and things you got to earn. So, but, but he was on his way and we were so excited about the future. It seemed like life was good. You know, what we were talking about a minute ago, everything just seemed to be going our way. And then on September 23rd of 2019, he was just getting hours, which is what, you know, pilots do when they're new, they're trying to get as many hours as possible so that they can move on into the commercial pilot industry. And so he took a friend home, to the University of Arkansas, which is north of us, a few hours flight, mm-hmm. and uh, dropped her off safely. And then on the return flight, he hit an unexpected weather system. It was nighttime as well, which that was planned because he was you know, getting his night hours, which he needed. Yeah. Uh, the unexpected weather system was not. That was something that it takes almost two years to get the actual federal report from the NTSB on airplane crashes, unless you're Kobe Bryant. <laughs> That's a different story. You get it a lot quicker. I tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the same thing. The f- people, most people are familiar with what happened with Kobe and their helicopter crash. This is what happened. change the subject a little bit since you brought up Kobe. Yeah. I remember getting up at Sunday morning and I'm looking on ESPN. They just kept putting his picture up there, put his picture up yeah. there talking. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. And because uh, it was the night before, two nights before, when um, LeBron James passed Kobe in the scoring. I believe uh, you're right. Yeah. It was a day yeah. or two before that. And so yeah. I just figured they're just talking about Kobe and LeBron and everything. And finally, I turn it up and I go, what? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, all right, go exactly. ahead. No, so exactly. So I, I mean, I remember when that happened, too, because it was after. Gabriel had passed away in his plane crash. And so, you know, it, it hit home in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately the reason I even brought the Kobe Bryant comparison is his pilot suffered from the same thing. They both ended up suffering from what they call, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm, the the technical term is escaping me, right? The spatial disorientation. There we go. Spatial oh, yes, disorientation. Yes, yes, yes. That's what yeah, I've so, heard that. Yeah. So he lost, he lost his horizon and ultimately crashed and passed away. And so, you know, it was a huge blow. There's nothing really quite that you can compare 
losing a child to. Um, and that's not to diminish anyone else's loss or pain. You know, pain is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Pain and loss losing, very losing, I've, I've never been married and never had children. And, uh, but yeah, watching my mom bury our youngest son mm. and his was due from his alcoholism caught up with him. Okay. And, and, but yeah, so I've seen the results of a parent losing a child because, you know, everybody says it's the other way around. The children are going to be burying the parents. Yeah. The natural order of things is that's not what you're expecting. Right. Yeah. It's exactly right. So, you know, that said, you know, obviously it was a huge blow. Um, now, you know, obviously what we're here to talk about today is how do you respond to those kinds of gut punches in life and, and what does that look like? Or does it have to cripple your future, you know? And so, you know, we know, and as you know, you know, you, you've, your story is incredibly amazing to me and, you know, I can't imagine what you've gone through, you know, to, to overcome being in a wheelchair and doing the things that you've had to do to be successful. But that's where we both find ourselves, right? Whether it's losing a son and a loved one, or whether it's losing the ability of some of our limbs or whether, Mm -hmm. or whatever the loss is, you only have two choices. And this is the conversation I had with my other two sons who were nine and 14 at the time, the morning of the crash or morning after the crash is we have two choices in how we respond. We can allow that tragedy to dictate the rest of our lives. We can be so caught up and focused on the pain, um, the reality that it will bring because there are challenges that you had to face and there were challenges that we've had to face with him not being present, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the only option. The other option, and we call it choosing life. The other option was just simply, okay, and for us with, with losing him, I just told the boys, listen, your, your brother was adventurous. Your brother lived in such a way that he always um, met the challenges of life. And so the, in my opinion, the only way we can honor the way he lived is that if we choose to attack life the same way he did and yeah. not let this death keep us from being who we were created to be. And ultimately that began our journey. Now there's lots of other things we can talk about, but that was the the genesis, the beginning of our mindset and how we were going to walk this tragedy out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've had, believe it or not, you know, several people, I couldn't do what you're doing. And I said, well, I, I don't know. I don't know what you've been through, but I might not be able to go do what you've been through. You know, we're all different and we all go through different experiences. But like you said, I told them uh, the two choices, uh, basically the same thing which you said. I said, I said, I can have two choices. I can lay in bed and have someone change the channel on the TV and I get to watch what they're watching because I couldn't do it myself. Or I could work hard, do better, get stronger and get out and have a good life. Yeah. So it's yeah, basically the same thing you're saying, just different wording. Uh, but uh, yeah. We can either give up or go. So shut down or get out and do it. That's exactly right. No, that's it. So, you know, it. I call those things today a courageous decision. That's just a, a phrase that I like to use. But, you know, a lot in life, that's how things that are good begin. They begin with a courageous decision. You know, uh, you had mentioned that I had, you know, suffered from drug abuse, which 
was a very long period of my life. You know, it started after a really difficult time when I was about 12 years old. Uh, very briefly, my my parents had been married 25 years. I thought everything was good. Turned out my dad ended up cheating on my mom. He moved out for about two years. During that time, she tried committing suicide, almost killed me a couple of times along with her. Mm. And so there was just all this garbage that kind of went on during that season. And so it was coming out of that at only 12, 13 years old that I turned to alcohol and drugs. And they didn't rule my life in the sense that there were still certain things I was able to accomplish. I continued you know, my education. I, I was an athlete. I did some things. But they were a very, um, very poor coping mechanism that did not serve me well at all, especially the older I got. And so ultimately, fast forward after years of on again, off again, heavily abusing drugs and alcohol at 31 years old, I made the decision. And by then I had actually uh, dabbled pretty heavily in meth for almost nine years. Oh, wow. I was a professional salesperson, which People that are familiar with meth abuse are very aware that there's a lot of professionals that that do succumb to that addiction. But mm-hmm. a lot of the times, that's not the first image that enters our mind, right? We think yeah. somebody who's not accomplishing anything and hanging out in a you know in a park or on a curbside somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but for me, you know, it just it boiled down to, and this is what we're talking about today. It started with I decided to make a courageous decision that that's not who. I wanted to be who I want to be because before you're ever going to really get anywhere with what you want to accomplish, if you don't decide who you want to be, the character traits that you want to have, the integrity that you want to have about, you know, your, your words and do your actions line up until you made that decision, it's going to be really challenging to live out those dreams or goals you have. But I made a courageous decision. Like this is not going to be me. And I quit and that was it cold turkey. I didn't. And by the way, I want to add this, James, and I want to hear your thoughts. Um, I know there's many people out there. Maybe you've been through a 12 step program, or maybe you have someone in your family that's fighting addiction Uh, just to make it very clear. I am not against any of those things. I am for anything that puts you back on the right path. So if that's you, you need to do it. I'm just telling my story. And in my case, yeah, just made a decision that I'm done and I was done. And that was, you know, almost 30 years ago. Yeah, there's uh, many, many, like you, there's many ways to get down in that hole and that rabbit uh, hole and everything. Uh, and there's many ways to climb back out. That's so right. there's no one right path. Um, I've got a buddy, he's my age, he's been in and out of jail for over 20 years, and his is doing stupid stuff when he gets drunk and high. Mm. And finally, he woke up like you did and says, you know, when I don't get drunk, I don't go to jail, <laughs> but <laughs> there's a but, here. Yeah, and, but he said what what you just said there about uh, the twelve step program. While he was locked up one time, they told him he had to go to AA while he's locked up. He had to do the twelve step program while he's in locked up, and okay. then he sit there and told the counselor. He says, and he pointed at his own head until I get it right here to want right. to change. There's nothing you can make me do in here. It's going to make me change. And she said to him, you're right. You don't have to come now. And, um, but finally he did wake up and, and yeah, doing a lot better in life and stuff like that. So, and, uh, like what you mentioned earlier that, um, 
you were on your drugs and stuff, but you weren't one of them just down and out. You were still going to school, making your grades, being an athlete, stuff. Because even when I mentioned my brother, his alcoholism caught up with him. He was what we called a functional, you know, alcoholic. He'd right. work all day. Then when the day's over, that's when he's tearing the beer up. So, yeah, exactly. And I think it's funny you use that phrase because that is a phrase we've used a lot. And I don't know, you don't hear too many people using the phrase functional meth addict or functional addict. Usually you only hear that with booze, but uh, you know, I don't know that that's really possible or if that's a real thing, but I will say this, you know, I, I was able to take care of myself. I did pay my bills. I did do that much, but regardless of that, because there may be somebody listening right now that you feel like, well, that's me, you know, I can, I can, I can party, I can do these things and I can manage it and, and I can be functional. But here's the reality of it, and this is not uh, this is not a message telling everybody nobody should ever drink or whatever. That's that's your personal conviction. Uh, yes, yes. But what, but what I will point out is any kind of abusive behavior, whether it's drugs and alcohol or something else, steals from your life. Exactly. Mine, mine is banana splits. <laughs> right, so, right. There's yeah, lots. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Again, my brother made an older brother is uh he's not good you give him a dime and he didn't spend 12 cents of it of a dime i mean he's just not good with money but he's said everybody has their own addiction and mind spending and uh mm-hmm. long as you're making the money and spending you know you're all right but yeah we, we all have something i bet you sit long enough and think about it that we're addicted to whether it's being on the daggum computer for 14 hours a day not right. working just surfing and looking and doing YouTube and playing games or whatever else. And it's harmless. It's fun, but you're taking away from your life. You're taking away from your loved one's lives. Your other people worrying about you, but yeah, it, it doesn't have to be uh, alcohol, drugs, pornography. Yeah. It could be something as simple as, as, as yeah, having fun and, and it's taking control of your life. So yeah, it didn't have to be that. Yeah, absolutely. It can it can look harmless, and maybe in certain instances or different you know times of your life they are, um, but sometimes they're causing harm that you can't see. You know, oh, exactly, emotions exactly. Are, emotions are even that way. You know, when I think of just some of the grieving process we went through and some of the things that we've um, not only worked through but have learned about and noticed along the way. You know, even emotions can become an addiction. You know, people truly can become addicted to anger, um, depression, fear. Oh, my gosh. Well, they've, they've learned to to get what they want with it uh, by that addiction again. And, of course, that was most addictions, too. But yeah, it could be that uh, I know that uh, I show the, the emotions go crazy. I know my wife's going to come over here and start hugging him, hung all over me, kissing me, and and. <laughs> I mean, but they're getting something. They're getting rewarded. That's why they keep going back to it. Right, right. So. And and this the scary thing about that is often when they slow down and they take to t- the time to really take a hard look at the reward itself. Often the reward that they receive is not really the reward they want. There's something more. There's something greater in life. You know, whether it's deeper relationships or success in your career or business or, you know, being mm-hmm. a better parent or a husband, whatever it is often you're, cause you're so dead on, they are receiving the reward that they're setting themselves up for. 
But often, even if you ask them a question of what they want out of life, that's not the reward they actually mm-hmm. really want. It's yeah. the one they've settled for. Yeah. Hey, I definitely uh, hope uh, people that's listening here, yeah, if you're seeking any type of problems going on, you find a way to get out. But again, I learned from my friend, until you're ready, it's not going to work. I mean, you can go to all these programs, read all them books, go to a rehab place. But if you're not mentally ready to do this and for your own good, for your own good, not because people say you should do it, you're wasting money and wasting your time. So when when you get tired of being sick of being on the floor and bottomed out and feeling bad and you want more, then seek help. I don't care if it's a minister, a coaching, mentor, your next door neighbor. Um, I don't know if you're having an affair and you can trust the uh, other woman better than you do your own, you know, as long as you can open up and talk to someone. So. Yeah, I think I, I love one thing you said there in particular, because I, I'm not going to get in great detail because it's, it's sensitive in that it's my, my middle son, but I'll give you a quick example, you know, coming out of, the tragedy, you know, one of the real difficult things for him was he was 14 when it happened. Gabriel was 17. They had really just kind of bridged that um, <laughs> hill between combatants as brothers uh-huh. and becoming friends, you know. And so it happened his freshman year, just a couple of months into his freshman year, actually just one month into his freshman year of high school. And so looking back, you know, his four years were tough in high school. They really were. There was a lot of up and ups and downs. Um, as you stated earlier, you know, there certainly were things, including losing Gabriel that were not by his choice or his doing. Yeah. But then because of, because of the fact that he fell into this pattern in other parts of his life where he either just didn't care at that point, or he just didn't really want it for himself. He made some self-inflicting decisions as well that caused him some problems. But what's exciting and what I love about it, and this to me ties a bow on what you just said, is there came a point in time this last several months where he was finishing up his high school education and getting ready to go off to college, which he's now getting ready to go next month. And the switch finally hit because there were times during this last four years where he's tried to have better behavior, make better decisions, be mm-hmm. more positive, you know, fill in the blank for us. Yeah. Well, and and I've and we had had a lot of conversations about this. It's not like we had never told him that, but that's what it often boils down to for us as individuals is there has to come a point in time where you have to confront yourself and you have to make that courageous decision that you want better for you. And now he's made some incredible decisions. He's, you know, like I said, getting ready to start college next month. Super excited about his future because he's excited about doing it for him. Yeah. And we're going to be the benefactors of that still. We're still going to get to enjoy that. And that's what I told him. But yeah. That's what I want listeners to hear too is that, you know, maybe you're not ready to make that courageous decision today. But I want you to dream a little bit. I want you to think about what would your life look like if you could put whatever it is, fill in the blank, in the backdrop and live differently. And then go to work, go to work, but do it for you. Don't do it for others. Because as James said, if you do it for you, 
then the likelihood of it sticking, the likelihood of you being able to to walk it out and do what it is that's really in your heart to do, the odds go up dramatically. Let me ask you, because I was listening to you when you said your brothers have finally come over that bridge to be friends yeah. instead of, and then, and then your middle one, second, uh, I don't know if second or third, but the middle one there. Um, I could see where I finally reach out to trust my brother and become friends with him. And now I shut down because he left me right. and I've shut down and now I don't trust anybody to want to be friends with because they're going to leave me a two. So I don't know if that's what he experienced. I'm oh, saying I could, I could see that. Yeah, no, James, all the above. You know, one, one thing we haven't mentioned is, you know, we, we are people of faith. I, I am a Christian. I was a pastor for 17 years in ministry for over 22 years. And so, you know, even part of this for us, which can be, um, for lack of a better way to say it, complicating for people that do have a faith. And that is, you know, he was angry with God too. And did you take my brother? And so the answer to your question is, and it's true for all of us, we've all, everybody in our family, myself, my bride, uh, and then his younger brother, Liam, who's the youngest, all of us have had to address that and have had to fight those battles of all of those different emotions and thoughts and, you know, things that go along with loss. But that's also why it's so important to have something to, and I like to use the word recalibrate to, Mm -hmm. because we do get off track and we do miss it. You know, when I look at these last four years and some of the things we've done that are incredibly healthy as far as the grieving process and 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 moving our lives forward and continuing to chase our own dreams and those things. We haven't done it perfectly. We're not perfect people. So we've had those days or sometimes weeks where we're frustrated or angry or disappointed or don't care or whatever, you know, um, but we set that foundation early on that we're going to choose life. We're going to honor this loss, our, our, you know, our son, their brother, Gabriel, by the way we choose to live. And so, and there were some things that happened that I could share with you pretty quickly that, you know, definitely have been critical and have been components that kept that compass in front of us to keep us recalibrating when we miss it. Because, you know, it, life is a battle. It's not easy. Nope. James and I, neither one of us are trying to tell you that oh, you no. vision today and now it's a cakewalk, <laughs> right? I keep telling people that uh, uh, one of the titles of my next book is going to be sometimes we have to walk through crap to smell the roses, you know, with the fertilizer <laughs> and all that, that uh, to get to that rose, we may have to go through that fertilizer and uh, from that. But yeah, yeah, it's again, it goes to like we mentioned way early in the, uh, the uh, podcast earlier is um, if you be on easy street and you get that gut punch. So right whether it's uh, self-inflicted or brought to you uh, from there. So um, I want to, uh, want to, yeah, I want you to give uh, some of the, the examples you're talking about keeping everything tied together and making things. Cause here's one thing that I've, that uh, I've had to learn when my brother died, a yeah. younger one is I had to learn to forgive myself in some areas. Uh, you know, we're taught now I'm a Christian too, uh, but we're taught to forgive the others who we perceived had as wronged us. You know, whether they really had, or if we go, 
I didn't like the way they looked at me, you know, whatever it is. And we're supposed to forgive them. Well, we need to learn to forgive ourselves much uh, more than that as well and forget uh, the stuff that's put as where we're at. Remember the good stuff that come from it and gets ahead of us. Um, but, but the example I'm giving my brother, about a week before he passed away, he had asked to borrow $30 and I was teaching in and coaching and I knew when he asked for it, it was going to get beer, mm-hmm. uh, but I gave it to him. I didn't ask him why. Well, the night that he died, he um, come to my house, and I have some health issue where I couldn't get in and out of bed uh, by myself. I've gotten weaker. And so he come and helped me in bed. And so I said to him, I said, hey, man, you got that uh, $30 to let you borrow? And he goes, no. And... He died that same night. We didn't have a discussion. You know, I didn't tell him I loved him and thanked him for helping me in bed. Uh, My last words was, you got that stinking $30. Right. And so I've had to learn to, uh, which uh, I'm not trying to steal from your story, but it led to me a couple couple of months later that I felt so bad that I attempted suicide three times in three days, how bad I wanted out. So, uh, but again, we lived, we survived. Now part of my uh, a goal in life is to get your story out there. People don't want to hear about me. They want to hear about you, everybody else I can get. That's one reason why I started this podcast is to get a, a platform for other people. And uh, plus I figure I'm benefited, uh, benefiting uh, as we're going along. Well, first of all, James, I, I want to say I'm sorry for your loss. You know, that's obviously a very sensitive topic, you know, for me and, and in our family, you know, when anyone loses, whether it's a son or, you know, for our boys losing their brother. So losing your brother is no small thing. So first of all, my, uh, my thoughts and prayers go to, towards you for that. And, and uh, I, I so appreciate what you just shared. I don't think you took it off of my story or took us off topic in any way. If you don't mind, I actually want to address something you said there. Cause I think it's just so critical. You know, I had an experience where the morning of the crash, uh, back in those days, I was going on a lot of walks. I walked on average throughout the day. It wasn't always at once, but about 10 miles a day was my total um, Mm -hmm. mileage. And so that morning I was out for a three, four mile, mile walk, whatever. And I'm just walking along. And I think your listeners can appreciate something like this. We all have different ways to describe what it is whether it's daydreaming, a vision, whatever, but I'm, I'm literally just on this walk. And then all of a sudden it's like the landscape around me. I was walking by a, a golf course uh, that's close to me. Everything just kind of disappeared. And I found myself in this, I'm just going to call it a video in my head, you know, and it was crystal clear, like a dream would be if you were asleep, except I'm walking and I'm awake. Uh-huh. And in it, what happened was, is I'm running around my house. I'm back in my house. And I'm, I'm, I recognize I'm frantic, frantic emotionally. And then I run across the street. I live in a neighborhood where we're very close to a lot of our neighbors. And I was going to grab two of the ladies that live on our street, two of the moms, so that I could bring them back to the house, give them uh, Joel and Liam, who are the, so my, my boys go, Gabriel was the oldest who passed away, then Joel, then Liam, give them Joel and Liam to take with them because I had 
horrible news to give Amaryllis. That's my bride's name. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just walking along and there's the golf course again. And that's a strange experience, right? And as parents, you know, I, I know you said earlier that you, you weren't a dad, but you still can imagine this, you know, even, even those who are listening who are not a parent can still imagine this. You know, when you do have kids, you, you have a, a lot of random thoughts. And there are times when you think things that are just horrific that could happen to them, a car crash or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, that's what I chalked it up to was just my imagination and so, again, being a person of faith, I did pray, you know, in that moment. But in that moment, I didn't know what was coming. Even, even this vision, daydream, whatever you want to call it, didn't tell me what had actually happened. Mm -hmm. It was just this thing that I perceived as, okay, well, there's just fears coming my way. And so that's all it was, right? There's a reason why I'm telling this story. So I forgot about it. Four o'clock that afternoon, Gabriel's leaving. He's you know going on this flight that ended up being his last flight, and you know very similar in this sense with the conversation you have with your brother. It was very casual, right? It was just a moment in time, and he's just headed out. Hey, head to the airport. See you later. I don't know if I said I love you. I don't know if I said anything other yeah. than hey, bud. You know, I honestly don't remember the words. So our last conversation was nothing to write home about either. Yeah. Now, my point for bringing up this story is, is really twofold, but I want to leave that thought with, with everybody listening with this. I had some thoughts later on that night because I'd forgotten about it. And then we had a hellish night. We were actually on the couch for hours knowing that he had disappeared off the radar but not knowing officially what had happened until well mm -hmm. into the morning, 3.30 in the morning. And so once I had gotten the news and realized that I had had this daydream vision, whatever, earlier in the day, as time went on over the next several weeks, I began to battle with that a little bit too. Like, why? one, why didn't I tell my loved him when he left? That was one of my regrets. Yeah. Is that our last conversation was just so common. Right. Yeah. 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 So basic. So meaningless, seemingly. And then I had a second component to it. What should I have done differently? What could I have done differently? And here's here's the stark reality, uh, James. This is nothing profound for your listeners, but it's truth. That is just like you. Had you known. Your response would have been very differently. And the last word spoken wouldn't have been the words that you spoke yeah. for me. Had I known that's actually what was going to take place, I would have done everything in my power to stop it. I would have said different words to him if I knew that was going to be my literally the last words I would ever have. Mm -hmm. But we can't live life that way because we don't know. I know not everybody listening today has faith in God and that's okay for what I'm about to say. I, you know, it's okay. But if, if you do have faith in God, you know, God's way bigger than we are. So there's things we don't understand. And he's the only one that, in my opinion, knew what was coming. So yeah. I think the reason why your part of the story and my part of the story, I think they're very similar in many ways, are so important is because people can get locked into those things, as you did for a period of time, and really suffer because of something they didn't say or something they didn't do. 
but it's revisionist in that if it's a circumstance like yours where you're the only way you could have done something different is by changing the facts of what you knew what was about to take place, right? Yeah. If you don't have that information, then there's nothing you can do with it. And then and I don't know how helpful that is for everybody, but it was really helpful for me in recognizing, you know, at the end of the day, even though I saw this thing in the morning, I didn't see enough to stop anything. And even though I didn't tell him I loved him, it wasn't the last thing out of my mouth. He knew I loved him. Yeah. I didn't know, nor did he know that it was just the last words that we would speak on this side of eternity. And so there's something healing in, in the nature of that understanding. And I just want to encourage people who maybe have gotten stuck in the what ifs, what if I'd have said this, what if I'd have done that? And we can only live moving forward. There's nothing we can change that's already happened. That's right. So, and I, I tell the people, I say, um, when you live through a suicide, they make you see a psychiatrist, okay, mm-hmm. or a psychologist. And um, so I had to see one, which is good for me. And But he, he yeah, had to go back biblically to say, and I can't think of the scripture right offhand, but it's, you know, when you reach out to help out the fellow man, you know, and my brother is reaching out, helping me so I can go to school and teach and coach the next day. And he didn't think nothing about it. And so, yeah, so... Um, all right, uh, yeah, this this boy, this has been powerful. Like, listen to this. I feel like I owe you uh, two hundred dollars for a form of therapy. <laughs> so, uh, from there, um, hey, if you can take a minute to um, tell us what one or two things did you think that try to help you get through the? I mean, yeah, simple, simple word is faith, okay. Uh, and but again, for the ones that may not have that, you know, what do you think? one or two things that may have helped you get through. Yeah, there's definitely a couple of things. And, you know, to the point of faith, faith, faith is definitely foundational. There's no question about it for every part of my life after I became a man of faith, but faith still requires you making decisions and, and taking action. And so that's why it's important. We talk about faith or no faith, you know, there's certain things that we need to take a look at. And so I think, there's two ultimately really critical things that we decided as a family that really made a big difference. One is, is that we made a decision that we were going to grieve through this tragedy and help each other collectively. Now, the challenge that someone's facing listening to this today may be very different, but the principles are still the same because I don't believe that you can truly walk out a major gut punch in life or even accomplish anything really great in life without other people. So, and I think you had alluded to this earlier, you know, you may not have those people right in front of you today. So maybe you need to reach out to a counselor, a pastor, a friend, maybe even a boss, you know, someone that you have a level level of trust, but you need to bring people into your loss, into your pain, into your challenge. You can't allow yourself to get isolated and try and fight it alone. Had I done that as the father of this household, the way we're living our lives today probably could have looked very, very, very differently. But I made that decision to be open and honest about it and and for us to do it together, which, you know, James, that meant there were times where I cried in front of my kids. Oh, yeah. Openly, willingly. 
And, and it was cathartic. It was helpful, not only for me to just allow those raw emotions to process in that moment, but to, for them to see and be allowed the same permission that if they were feeling sad or angry or frustrated or whatever it is, that it's okay to process through your emotions. But then we would recalibrate towards who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? So I think that is a big key. Uh, and then ultimately, this is this is related to this, but I'm talking more about not so much in the moment of those hard times, but where you want to go in the future long term mm-hmm. is those those voices that we listen to the most of in life are going to have a lot of say in the kind of life that we lead. And so Jim Rohn is very famous. You've probably quoted it too. I think mm-hmm. most have that you're the, you know, you only fly as high as the five, you know, top relationships or people you spend the most time with, but it's, it's a fact. It's just true. And so I think that's another piece for you to look at that we did. We began to look at who do we spend the most amount of time with in our life and what kind of conversations do we have? And, you know, I want to grow as a person who around me challenges me to grow. Those are things that all of us really need to take a look at because when you surround yourself with people that cause you to challenge the way you think, challenge you, and not fight. I'm not talking about fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just challenge you on the way you're thinking about a problem or a situation. Challenge you about you know the gifts you have and what you're capable of and the dreams that you can actually achieve, even though maybe you're giving into fear. Surrounding yourself with those kind of people is really critical. And that can be, one of them could be people that are listening to your show right now, your listeners, your faithful listeners. You know, you supply that through bringing them this show and your voice and the voice of some people that you bring, hopefully mine today, you know, different people that you bring on where they can be someone that is speaking words that bring life into your listener. And maybe it causes them to make a new decision or or try something risky that they were afraid to do before, or whatever it happens to be. So I think those two things have been really massive with us being able to move forward and continue to live. You know, the phrase that that became my company, became my book, but it's it's our family mantra: big, bold, and brave. And um, this may be one and the same as with this, but we need someone to challenge us so we can be the best person we can be. All right. And to help help keep us accountable uh, from that. I mean, if Absolutely. they just if they just throw out something, they don't do anything to say, "Hey, did you try?" Uh, well, I know you've been talking about it for twenty years. Have you not tried to, you know? So get help with that as well. All right, man. This has been I, I've enjoyed uh, speaking with you, Clint. This is pr- pretty good for it's the other folks. Too. Oh, it's been awesome and everything. And. um you said something about a book, and see, right there we go. All right, for the ones that's watching here on, you can see Big, Bold, and Brave with Clint Hatton. Okay, get you a, go get you one. Get you a copy of it. Hey, Christmas is coming. Get you four or five and start <laughs> stashing them away and give them Christmas gifts. All right, Clint, appreciate you being here, buddy. Go ahead and give out your social medias, uh, how we can get your book, uh, any other programs or counseling you may be doing and uh, how people can find you. Sure. Well, the book is easy that you can go anywhere online that books are sold 
and find it. Uh, if you just type in Big Bull Brave, the subtitle is How to Live Courageously in a Risky World. So that will probably help you find it quicker. Uh, obviously, anybody that has Amazon, even if they live internationally, should be able to get it as well. My website is bigbullbrave.us. And I know that's a play. It's .us. But I, I love to say bigbullbrave.us because I believe in what we're doing here today, collaborating. I believe that every human being on the planet, you know, is is created to have an impact, but we do it together. And so bigbullbrave.us, you can find out about how to bring me in as a corporate speaker, a church speaker, or uh, many of the other things that I'm doing through coaching and things like that. And I'll put this information in the show notes, make it easier for people to find. Uh, just click on the link below. All right. Uh, um, hey, uh, Clint, we know there's people hurting and struggling today. And if you can leave us with a powerful message to get through today, that'd be a blessing. Well, I, I think what I'm feeling today that I want to leave everyone with is just, it's, it's a thought, it's a belief that I have about every human being. And, you know, you've heard part of my story. Obviously, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know James' story really well. But with my story, you know, there's there's a lot of layers to it and different things that have challenged me. But there's three things I believe about every human being that I know, that I absolutely know is true about you. And one was you were created to be courageous. I believe courage is already inside of you. You may need help listening to a podcast like this. You may need a coach. Um, you know, someone to help pull that out of you, maybe a good friend, but you are courageous. You are courageous. You can do what it takes to live the life that you've really desired to have. The second piece is I believe we are all created with a creative genius. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to emphasize it because already that phrase, you may or may not have heard it said that way. I believe there is actually a creative genius in every human being. There's something unique about you, the way you think, the way you problem solve, your gifts, your talents that this world needs. Again, you may need someone to help you bring that out. And and, I, and I'm going to say this on that one really quick. A lot of times the creative genius that's in you is something you operate in so seamlessly, so easily in that you don't even think it's a thing. You just think, oh, well, that's just how I am. That's what I do. And it's a gift that the world needs. And then the third one is I believe everybody is created to be compassionate. So no matter what you're going through, I believe serving others is one of the greatest things that we can do on this planet. And it helps us too. being compassionate for other people, I believe brings even compassion towards yourself. And so I think those three things, James, I want to leave every listener with and just know that you can incorporate every single one of them. And you can begin to live the life that you've always dreamed of living. Amen, brother. Yeah, we're on this big ball of dirt, not just to swim and play around, but to help the next person so they'll know what to do so they can help the next person. So one good thing about this uh, podcast and platform that uh, I, I tell people with me being disabled the way I am, I'm glad I'm in the, this era. I'm glad I'm glad to grow up at this time. I need to think 100 years ago, where people were laying around in bed doing nothing because right. there was nothing to do. So I'm so blessed with this. And so Clancy tell us that once this stuff's on the internet, it's there forever now. So just think a hundred hundred years from now, someone's going to come across this podcast unexpectedly and you're going to help someone then. So that's right, James. It's one of the things I love about it, man. And thank you. I just want to appreciate you 
and and you know, your faithful listeners listen man support this man he's doing some great work and you know people like you said he, and you don't even know how many really so many people are being helped by these conversations so keep doing what you're doing and uh, and thank you for having me on and thank you for being here hey everybody else be sure to share us out to someone you know it can use some fire me up inspiration some encouragement uh to everybody else do something today tomorrow something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis thanks for listening to the professor of perseverance podcast for motivation inspiration and encouragement for more information go to facebook at professor of perseverance visit the website at professor of and view the youtube channel dr james purdue professor of perseverance